This week is all about RV love with our friends Mark and Julie Bennett from RV Love, who literally wrote the book on RVing. They talk about their life on the road. Plus, we've got a whole lot more. This is RV Miles. RV Miles is brought to you by L.L. Bean. L.L. Bean believes the more time you spend outside together, the better. That's why they design products that make it easier to take longer walks, have deeper talks, and never worry about the weather. Discover clothing, outerwear, footwear, and gear made for every type of adventure with the outside built right in. Because on the inside, we're all outsiders. Be an outsider with L.L. Bean. Welcome to episode 159 of RV Miles. I'm Jason. And I'm Abby. And we are two full-time travelers who, along with our boys, Jack, Ethan, and Henry, are crisscrossing North America on one epic road trip. Each week we talk all things RV and outdoors, from travel destinations to gear, industry news, our national parks, and a whole lot more. This is a special edition of the podcast because we are coming to you from Yellowstone National Park. We actually drove into the park away from service and away from electricity. So we may sound a little bit different this week if you're listening on the podcast as opposed to watching on YouTube because we don't have our fancy headset microphones on. I feel very exposed. <laughs> Without the headset, I started that intro and it felt, I felt like I was back on stage again and I was, I was trying very hard to put my best theater voice on and it sounded so fake. Now that the podcast has become more and more popular on YouTube, we're getting lots of questions about those headsets that, you know, we look like, you know, we're, we're calling a NASCAR race we're or the Al. Olympics, but <laughs> it's, it's Sunday night football. It's Al Michaels. Um, but but uh, those only work, our whole setup for the podcast only works when we're plugged into electricity. And that's something I'm working on. But now we're using the microphone on the camera and we're going to try that out for, for this episode because we just thought it would be so special to be coming from the middle of Yellowstone National Park. We are in Yellowstone. It's so great to be here. We're celebrating Abby's birthday. We're celebrating Jack's birthday. We're celebrating our four-year nomadiversary. Our fourth year on the road is September 1st. Can you believe that I we cannot. have been on the road for four years? I cannot. I, it feels just like yesterday, and yet it feels a lifetime ago <laughs> that we were living in the bus. I think in the year we have been in the trailer, we have lived more experiences than the three years we were in the bus, which is why it just feels yeah. so far away since we had bussy, but it really hasn't been that long. Our time here at Yellowstone, this is our third or fourth day here. Oh, I don't know. I've lost um, track of time. <laughs> the first few days we were dealing with this smoky haze that's been covering much of the west all all through idaho our travels through idaho it was very very hazy and smoky the sun you could stare right at the sun it was just a red spot but just here in the last day and a half or so the the smoke has cleared and we can actually see the park we couldn't really see a lot of the park but now we can it's really great what people are experiencing with wildfires right now in the west those are real true complaints and tragedies yeah. so i almost hesitate that we even say anything about the haze to ourselves or to the kids or even in general when we're in the park because we're so fortunate just to be here and there are just 
so many people right now just being ripped by these wildfires. And so. unfortunately, those fires have not really lessened, and they're dealing no. with them in California and Idaho well, and Colorado. It's really bad. They're dealing with one here in Yellowstone, actually, as we speak. Mm -hmm. The road past Old Faithful has been closed due to wildfires. We had hoped that the rain that came in last night would kind of tamper things down. It does not seem to have done that. So for now, it's wildfire season, and if we have to put up with a little bit of haze, we consider ourselves fortunate. It's wildfire season and it's hurricane season. A lot of weather going around the country right oh, now. Oh, just everyone in the Gulf, we're just thinking about you guys. Hunker down, stay safe. If you're in an RV, please either get somewhere safe or have an alternative place you can go as that comes moving in because that is there's just a lot going on down there right now too boy 2020 calm like slow your roll like this is just intense bring 2021 on already i wanted to start off right away talking about something i talked about last week in my fresh tank last week was some changes that verizon was making to their to their new plans coming out um that wouldn't hard throttle people when they're tethering to their their devices when you're tethering to your phone and using that data they were saying that they would only slow you down on a congested tower don't go out and buy that Verizon plan right now because Verizon has actually walked that back they didn't already <laughs> even have those plans out for like 12 hours before they walked it back. They were like, here are the plans, and now we're going to adjust all of them. So you can read more about that over again at our friends over at the uh, Mobile Internet Resource Center. They have all the latest info about all the different plans available to you. And they were the ones that originally reported that Verizon was going to be making this awesome change for RVers uh, or anybody that, that really uses a lot of heavy mobile data and uh, it's not happening so i'm giving you, you my best mom face <laughs> verizon uh, i also wanted to talk about the new report from the rv industry association you know the rv industry association they put out their numbers every month for how many rvs have been shipped so it's not exactly sales it's shipments to dealer lots and that's how the industry tracks sales essentially and july was the month with the most rvs shipped in the last four decades now that's not that big of a surprise because the manufacturers had to slow down manufacturing shut down for several weeks and there have been lots of sales recently and they've been really trying to pick up the pace to to you know make up for all these rvs missing on dealer lots and you can buy an rv right now the dealer lots are they're a little threadbare but if you want one you can go buy one you can go order one they are available. It's not that they're not available, but there are fewer available. Now, what surprised me about those numbers, however, is the fact that there is this trend away from motorhomes that's happening and has been happening for a little while now. It used to be sort of the rule of thumb that about 85% of RVs sold were towable RVs, trailers, truck campers, and the like. But motorhomes get all the sort of you know, they get all of the press. Everybody gets excited over motorhomes, right? But the vast, vast majority of RVs sold has always been towables, trailers, fifth wheels, and truck campers, and pop-ups and the like. But what has happened over the last five years is that has gone from 85% towables being sold 
up to over 90, now about 91% of RVs that were shipped were towables. And that's consistent throughout this year so far. So about 90% over the course of the year. So that's only 10% of RVs that are sold are motorhomes. We've been hearing about the class B camper van craze over the last several years. And everybody's talking about how they're pumping those out and they're not very available. Do you know how many class B camper vans were sold last year? Uh, I read the article. I think it was like 2,100. Yeah, about 2,100. Yeah, see, sometimes I do read yeah. the things you write. Yeah, <laughs> over, um, you know, 250-some thousand RVs sold. Yeah. A, a, a very small, less than 1% of RVs sold last year were Class B camper vans. Well, so, to be fair, though, it it's a small sort of camper yeah. that can do the Class B. I mean, I would love to do a Class B, but we have five people in our it's family. Hard. It's not, you know, something we can do. We were clearly trendsetters for 2020 before we knew we were trendsetters yeah. buying a travel trailer. Or we just didn't have the money for a Class A. But you know what? The, the big thing that is that is driving these sales right now, really, it's, it's the fact that everybody's out buying RVs is one thing. But really what's driving it is the fact that now this year, and last year, over 70% of new cars sold are pickup trucks. That's just incredible. 72% last year, vehicles sold were pickup trucks. Can I say I never really noticed a pickup truck on the road until we owned one? <laughs> until we owned one. I never paid attention to them. It's the same thing with the minivan. I never paid attention to the minivan until I wanted one and I bought one and then I'd always be like, ooh, that minivan over there, do you see how sleek that's looking? But now, th th this is a new trend though. This is not, it's, it's not been this way. Five years ago, there, it was probably a tenth as many pickup trucks sold. Now yeah. the Ford F-150 is the number one selling car in America. So we wrote an article about that over on the RVMiles.com website and you can check it out there and you can check out all the RV news that we drop about every other week now over on the RV Miles YouTube channel and, uh, and, and sort of run down everything that's happening in the RV world today. Look at us getting organized. <laughs> Did anyone who's been here from pretty much the beginning ever think you would see Jason and Abby consistently doing something? Because Abby didn't. Now, because we are out in the middle of the wilderness in Yellowstone, <laughs> the brain teaser is taking the week off because we forgot that we wouldn't have access. <laughs> To, to the internet to pull up the document that has I, the brain teaser on it. I don't understand. The internet just doesn't follow me wherever I go. I mean, we went to open up our show notes and it was like, you are not connected to the internet. Right. And I said, well, that's silly. I'm just in the middle of Yellowstone. How can I not have internet? <laughs> so we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we'll have our interview with Mark and Julie Bennett from RV Love. And then later on the show, we'll be back with our Fresh Tank Black Tank segment. We'll be right back. Are you already dreaming of that epic 2021 road trip? Or maybe you want to take a weekend road trip and explore your state. Now is the perfect time to become a Road Trippers Plus subscriber and put those plans into action. A Road Trippers Plus subscription allows you to add up to 150 stops to your road trip ad-free. You can look for campgrounds, local eats, outdoor recreation, and more. A Road Trippers Plus subscription is normally $29.99. However, RV Miles listeners can save 20% off with coupon code RVMILES2X. That's 20% off Road Trippers Plus with code RVMILES2X. And we will link to the Road Trippers discount at rvmiles.com slash 159, or you can look in the description here if you're watching on YouTube. 
Well, last week we had a, a wonderful conversation with Chuck Woodbury from RVTravel.com about all of the problems with the RV industry and all the difficulties uh, that you may encounter when purchasing and, and owning an RV. So I wanted to shift focus this week uh, to to talk about some of the positives. And I can't think of two better people to have on uh, to talk about the positives of living the RV life. We have today with us Mark and Julie Bennett from RV Love, who are just such positive inspirations and are so great about really helping people live a very successful life, uh, whether they're full-time, part-time, weekenders traveling in their RVs. Mark and Julie, welcome to the show. Well, thanks so much for having us. We're excited to be here. Yeah, and congratulations on such a great podcast. Oh, thank you. Where uh, where are you guys coming from right now? We're coming from a town called Gunnison, Colorado. It's up up in the mountains on the western slope. We just left Gunnison a little bit ago. In fact, we I think you guys are sort of right behind us on our we you I think wintered at uh or you you dealt with the pandemic really at Garden of the Gods Resort and we were just yeah. there just at I think we just missed you guys. You had just left when we arrived there oh. and then we we headed towards uh towards Gunnison and and now we've moved on to to Utah and Idaho, but um, beautiful. And before that, I think we were in Arizona when the pandemic first broke out, and we were considering coming up to Camp Verde where you were yeah. staying. So we almost were going to We've meet been them. Close to quite a bit this year. <laughs> we'll cross paths eventually. The RV world is a small world. We'll eventually cross paths. I yeah, guarantee it, it. it was a that was a fantastic resort there in Arizona, but it was getting up into the 105 plus degrees. So <laughs> you did have the cooler bit of weather, I think. Um, I, I I would love to start with just talking about your your sort of origin story as, as RVers, and particularly as uh, full timers. What led you guys into uh, this lifestyle? Were you uh, had you, had you started RVing before you became full timers, or did you just sort of dive right in? Well, we pretty much dove right in. I mean, when, growing up as a child, my family did some rock hounding, you know, j- digging up for collecting rocks. And and um, <clears throat> we did a little bit of that. But th- this was our first, especially for Julie and I, yeah. our first voyeur into the RV world. And we jumped in both feet. We sold the house before mm-hmm. we even bought the RV. And yep. then... Um, hit the road full time, straight into it. Wow. Yeah, but we did do a lot of research first, Jason. We didn't, I mean, we... You know, we probably researched it really intensely for about nine months. Yeah. And, you know, downsizing our town home and checking all the different kinds of RVs. The learning curve is so huge on these things. And the more you learn, the more you realize there is to learn. So, but that, that was fun. That's all part of the journey for us. You you guys do seem like big researchers. Your videos are always so full of uh, so many details, which I, is what I really love about them. But what when you started, how many years ago has it been now? We just celebrated our sixth year full-time on the road in June, in mid-June. So we're about six years and two months now. So there has been, since that time, there's been a a, a bit of a boom in full-timers. And uh, uh, there seems to be even more happening now uh, during this pandemic. What what is your sense of um, the difference of what it was like to get on the road six years ago and how it is today. Well, 
to, we totally agree. There's been a major mm-hmm. shift in this space in the last six years. When we started out, it was still had that predominance of the retired set, you know, mm-hmm. that they were still by far the largest percentage. And then we started seeing more families getting into it. And we still felt like we were outsiders being young working age professionals. But mm-hmm. then now we're seeing more and more as people had the additional awareness of the lifestyle and how they can get out there and also the increase in remote working. And to your point with the pandemic, I feel that's going to even get much, much larger now because so many companies Mm -hmm. that were resistant to remote working have been forced into that and now realize, hey, this works out pretty well. And so I think with so many new people in the remote working world, there's going to be a huge increase in the interest in the full-time RVing movement because people have the realization that they can be anywhere. Mm -hmm. And so they don't need so much time off to have so many great experiences. That was one of the things that we've enjoyed so much about it is that when we got into this, that was a big motivator for us is I only had a week and a half of time off from my job, but we wanted to explore and see so much more of the country. But when you full-time RV, you can actually go to the locations and then be right there. As soon as you get off of work, you're at the Grand Canyon, you're at the beach, you're at the mountain resort you want to be at. Mm. So you don't have to take actual vacation time to go there, especially in the summertime when days are long. It feels like there's a 14 day week because you get (laughs) off work. And I had a job that was for central time at the time. So I'd get off work at five central, which would be three Pacific. So I'd get off, I had to get up early, but I'd be off work at three and we'd have until 9 p.m. before the sun was down. So we'd have a whole six hours. So yeah. we get a lot of exploration in. I, I noticed that so REI had just built this big multi-million dollar new facility that's their headquarters. And they abandoned it before moving a single employee in. And they're just moving their entire workforce remotely. There's going to be so many more people doing this. And a lot of corporations are are, are doing similar things. So uh there and with the the concern over air travel uh, and hotels, I think that's going to last for quite a while too. Well, probably a lot longer than the actual pandemic lasts. So, yeah, we're seeing more people out here on the road. Is, are you are you feeling like it's getting uh, congested yet? Are you feeling like it is getting um, difficult because of the amount of people? I think that we've over the years we've definitely noticed it is more crowded uh we you know boondocking spots or campgrounds alike definitely more people now than there were before perhaps a little harder to get reservations but you know we're hearing a lot of people talking about you know you can't get any camping reservations anywhere we haven't found that to be the case I think one of the big things as an RV is you have to be flexible you have to be adaptable and that's you know with your dates your travel plans with everything and so I think you know we've made a lot of last minute reservations actually in the last month for short stays but we've been very flexible with the dates it hasn't been like we have to be there for these two days most of the time it's when can you fit us? They say, when do you want to come? And they say, well, when can you fit us in? And then we just take those dates. So I think, um, but w- there's there's that flexibility needed, but we are definitely seeing it getting busier, but they're also building more RV parks. And I think one of the things that I would really um, 
how people pay attention to if they are having struggles getting places to book. There are so many campgrounds out there and we're hearing stories exactly. of some that are, that are not full at all. Mm-hmm. But I think what happens is people go to the most popular and most desirable places. Yeah. Understandably, who doesn't want to go to the, the Grand Tetons and Yellowstone and Yosemite and, you know, all of those great places. But there are so many amazing places that aren't necessarily as well known. Mm-hmm. And maybe this is a year to go see them, go take the road less travelled and go to those campgrounds in more remote towns that wouldn't normally see a lot of tourism and go there instead because all of these other places aren't going anywhere and they are we're hearing the national parks are crowded I know you do a lot uh, with national parks and Mm -hmm. you know you talk a lot about that but but we're seeing that interestingly even without the international tourists the national parks are super busy this year. So we're just completely avoiding them. <laughs> yeah, but you got to remember, if I remember right, there's over 20,000 campgrounds. And so you might not be able to go stay in the exact campground that you initially planned, but there's going to be so other ones nice. available that you can find spaces at. Definitely. Yeah, and you can not only be flexible about the campground you go to, but even the area you go to, especially if you're, you're full-time. Yeah. But um, we, we've certainly had a, a very similar experience recently. We've been ex- getting very excited now, actually, about experiencing places that were just not on our radar at all. And we're finding interesting things everywhere. We are on our way to Yellowstone, so we'll see how that goes. Well, but- <laughs> It'll be crowded, but so Yellowstone's always crowded. Reservations there, like you- reservations to get into the park um, at certain time slots in a lot of the national parks. So make sure you research that as well. Yeah, a lot of them uh, are, are doing a timed entry thing, and it, and if you can't get reservations, uh, you can arrive before five in the morning, <laughs> which is not something we're interested. In. I think I think Yellowstone has avoided that so far, which is which is great. But uh, there are several parks we did have to just get. Uh, timed entry at Dinosaur National Monument, which is not a very popular park, but they have a shuttle service and um, you have to take a shuttle to get to see the dinosaur bones. And they're doing an excellent job of sanitizing the shuttle and seating people on every row, uh, every other row and all that sort of stuff. But because of the, the amount that they have to cut down and the amount of work sanitizing and all that, they have to do these timed entries. So there, yeah, there's a lot of stuff like that, that we're you know, sort of figuring out as we, as we go right now. But I, I think I would love to, you know, talk a little bit more about that idea of the, of these lesser known places, because I think in, in our travels, we have found some of those to be the most exciting, even pre pandemic, like places that we just stumble on. So what are some of the places that you guys have been uh, in your few years on the road that, that have really surprised you? I love that question because mm-hmm. so often people ask us, well, where's the best place you've been? And it it kind of really diminishes what is so great about the, the RV life because, like you mm-hmm. say, it's those unexpected places that you happen across that you didn't have these big expectations about. They can really be some of the highlights. Like even just a few mm-hmm. weeks ago, we're here in Colorado and we went to the Colorado National Monument. And I'm embarrassed to admit that even though the last time we had a stick and brick home back in 2014 was in Colorado, I'd never heard of the Colorado <laughs> National Monument, had you? So I'm a bit embarrassed about that. But everyone said you have to go see. Oh, okay. So we jump in the car, we drive around. And it was amazing, amazing. It 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 actually reminded me of three of three favorite places that we've seen over the years, which is Zion, the Grand Canyon and Sedona. And it just at, at different times and different angles and different vantage points, I could 
see and be reminded of those places. And it's right here, right here in Colorado. It is a national monument. I think national monuments in general have really been surprising mm-hmm. uh, to us. Remember? Yeah, well, and like Capitol Reef is one in particular. We were down seeing Zeiss. We were seeing Bryce and Zion. <laughs> Zeiss and Bryce. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> That's the code name for it. That's the code name for the area. But, the, uh, but yeah, we decided to go on a trip over to Capitol Reef. And it's one of those lesser known parks, but it's yeah. still stunning. And if you Loved got there... When there's drier part of the season, you can actually drive down the riverbed and you see those, you know, huge walls on either side of you. It's amazing. Yeah. But um, another one would be uh, Capulin National, Capulin Volcano National Monument in New Mexico. And we just happened to be driving through and we stayed at a campground there for a couple of nights, went to check out the mm. National Monument. And it's really cool, really cool drive up and view from up there. It was beautiful. And so that's that was another standout. National Monuments, I, I think, are really, I don't know how many people talk about them Mm -hmm. you know so much as national parks but they're really but even things it doesn't necessarily have to be yeah the big draw you know it's just sometimes there's just a surprise you go and you're in south padre and you decide to go park on the beach and you're like oh my gosh i can park right on the beach and yeah north padre or and just you got to leave some room in your scheduling and your planning for that serendipity for these little known things you might go at a campground and you're talking to some of the other folks in the campground and say oh wow while you're in the area, you have to go and discover this. There's this amazing waterfall here. And if you have too rigid in your planning, you might not be able to have the room to be able to fit some of these amazing things that you hear about only when you're there and you're talking to the locals or the people who've been there mm-hmm. a lot. And New Mexico in particular for us was one of those states where, you know, people don't talk a lot about New Mexico as a big travel destination and every every corner surprised the heck out of us. Now you guys have been to you've been to all 50 states now, right? Yes. Most, many of them more than once. <laughs> Some and of them multiple times. Did you did you RV to Alaska? <laughs> no. We did not. We took a cruise to Alaska. But here's what something that was fun about the RV lifestyle is right. that we were in our RV in Canada, in the Vancouver, Vancouver. area. And we're like, hey, you know what? Let's see if there's any last-minute cruise deals up to Canada. And there was this we've super done 49 cheap- states. That was yeah. our last state we hadn't visited. Wow. Yeah, and so we look online and we found this cruise from um, Vancouver up to Alaska for like 400 Three, bucks. Three ninety nine a person and plus like, Let's do it. Fees. So we went on a one-week cruise up there and then we rented a car up there to be able to drive around, to be able to still be inland a bit. When we get to the um, Skagway, Skagway. we rented a car for 200 bucks for one day (laughs) just so we could drive to the Welcome to Alaska sign and take a car. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, I mean, it's crazy. We'd normally never spend $200 on a rental car for a day. But, but, you know, it was our 50th state. It coincided with our wedding anniversary. You know, it was a big milestone of celebration of of, um, that was, I think, 2007. It was... uh, We'd been on the road for a little over three years. It was our 50th state and we it was the same month of our wedding anniversary. So we we splurged and it was so worth that car rental because mm-hmm. being able to have that sign, welcome to Alaska, and just have that as a as a marker of that big milestone was was really exciting. And to be able to see some other parts that you wouldn't see on a cruise ship. But we only jumped on that cruise with, I think, three or four days to spare. I think we booked it on notice, Wednesday yeah. and jumped on on Sunday. And that's part of that flexibility and adaptability is being able to, you know, change your plans and uh, take a side side road or a side yeah. cruise in this instance. And, and it would be fun to take an RV up to Alaska, but you need mm-hmm. a lot for a really big chunk of time. And, of yeah. course, this year, I'm so glad we did what we did when we, when we did it because, like, this year – 
people, a lot of people probably had plans to go to Alaska, but those would all be in kibosh by the pandemic because of the international border crossings. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm glad we did what we did, but um, I wouldn't rule out us going up there at some point just because it's an amazing journey, but you do need to do a lot, quite a bit of time to really enjoy that because I think it's as far from Washington to Alaska as it is from Florida to Washington or something. It's it's a lot of miles. It's a couple thousand miles. You need to really a lot a big chunk of time for that trip and we'd want to do it in in a rig that was really going to allow us to make the most of that experience so you know as that gets closer we'll think more about it but we haven't given that much thought <laughs> do you, we didn't take the rv to alaska i mean i'm sorry to, to hawaii to now how do you guys travel what's what's sort of your what's sort of your speed well, you know, like most people, we initially started off faster and mm-hmm. slowed down over time because you, you you get so excited about the lifestyle. You want to go and see and do everything. And so I think the tendency for people is to travel too fast. But we like to stay places, um, you know, usually a week or two if possible. And if you, you know, sometimes we're on a big journey to get somewhere and we might only stay a night or so on a big route, mm-hmm. which then lowers the average number of days. Mm-hmm. But uh we like to stay somewhere a week or two to have a little bit of immersion into the area. Cause that's one of the things that we love the most about RVing compared to normal travel is normal travel. You fly in, you're in a hotel and you're, you're not exposed or immersed in that local community, but in mm-hmm. RVing, you're going to the grocery store to the farmer's market to you're feeling exactly. like a member of the community much more so. And I think that's that immersion mm-hmm. is part of the gift of the RV lifestyle. And because we work as well, we're not retired. So being able to slow down, actually, you know, we've been doing this for over six years now. We have mm-hmm. been to all 50 states and I would say our pace has slowed after we hit the 50 states, actually, it was probably when we really did because we had one of those state sticker maps you put, put on the side of your RV, you know, the ones that you put a sticker on every state. Careful with those. They are, they're really fun and they're a great talking point as uh, as you're walking around a campground and great way to strike up conversation with other RVs and talk about where you've been and where you haven't and some of your favourite places or tips there. But we had one of those maps and it gets really addictive because you think, oh, well, if we just go from this state to this state via that, that way we could put these stickers on our map as well. So we were we were doing that back in 2016 or 17 a bit and that, <laughs> that kind of sped up our pace. Well, but we're enjoying a slower pace now. And we're all being forced to travel slower with the pandemic this year. And so it, it works for us. So you, you mentioned working. Abby and I our our work life balance and our schedule is just you know, an absolute mess. And it's something we've always been trying to figure out. So you guys are very prolific. You put out a lot of content. Like I said, it's, it's super detailed. You never miss a beat uh, on, on something when, when I'm reading one of your blog posts or watching one of your videos, what is your, what is your work-life balance? What is your, do you have like a set schedule? Do you guys, do you guys figure out a, a, a plan of action every week or do you just, Throw everything against the wall like we do. It's the million dollar. We're gonna let you answer that one. Well, <laughs> Mark's the king of work life balance. I used to be the king. Of, I used to be the king of work life balance <laughs> when I worked for other people. And when you start working for yourself, that's become more and more challenging. Mm-hmm. And um, especially when your work is your life. You know, when you when your work is about the lifestyle you're living, it makes it harder and harder to make that separation. Mm-hmm. And um, I'd like to say that we have a very rigid schedule, but we don't because 
part of it is because we take on big projects. You know, this May and June, we took on a big project called the Hit the Road RV Summit to educate all these new RVers out there. Well, we took on a very lofty timeline for that and ended up working 800 hours in six weeks to try and pull that off. Um, but then we kind of fell in a heap after that. And so we didn't work so much the couple of weeks after that. And so we do have a bit of an ebb and flow with our work. And uh, but just depending on what projects and excitement things we take on, you know, the book project we took very intensely. But we we try to have at least some semblance of work-life balance and get out there and enjoy the lifestyle that we are living. But we're definitely realizing that I think we need to create some more structure because like you say, you have your family and you're traveling, you're very similar. You've got your work and your life are uh, intertwined. And so I do think we're, we're really looking at ways that we can try to have a bit more structure. We, we actually don't mind working on weekends because we prefer to do our exploring during the week when it's not as busy. So that's one thing that we do. But, you know, we're trying to cut down on working in the evenings. You know, we, we were working too late too often and it just throws your whole schedule and body out. And, and so, you know, we're, you know, it's amazing how much discipline it takes to really keep yourself on track with that, especially when your office is in the living room and you're always looking at it. It's right there. So, but, you know, we're very grateful that we can live and travel and have the freedom mm-hmm. in our life. We can travel it used to be when Mark had his job, we would always do our driving on a Friday afternoon after work or on a Saturday and get settled in somewhere before the Sunday, make sure we had good internet before the weeks ahead. But now our schedule is our own. Yeah. You know, and one of the gifts of that anytime. is, for example, yesterday we planned on working most of the day, but then we realized a good friend of ours was only five miles away from here and, mm-hmm. and was taking his paddleboard down to the beach. And you thought, you know what? Let's, Let's take a few it. hours and go visit with our friend. And so yeah. that's the real gift of what we do is that we have the flexibility to work when and where we want. We still work a lot, but we have the ability to choose when and where those are. Well, you mentioned the book. Uh, talk to us about the book, because I think a lot of people like to have a, a, a physical repre- representation of, of what they're learning about. And, and your book has quickly become... Uh, or did quickly become, and has been for a while now, one of the most uh, popular books on RVing there are. Uh, what can people uh, learn out of the the RV Love book, and 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 what sort of led you guys to write it? Well, it's funny how it came about. We actually yeah. have a copy I actually have one in the car. Show it to you. <laughs> called Living the RV Life: Your Ultimate Guide to Life on the Road. And as you'll see, it's a coffee table style book. So it's landscape, which is really unusual, and um, it's got nine chapters. And it's all broken down into three parts in nine chapters with three chapters per part that really help people, first of all, understand what is the RV lifestyle all about, who's doing it, why are they doing it, you know, and whether or not it might be for you. So that, you know, by the end of chapter one, you might have a pretty good sense that, yep, this is for me and I'll keep reading or no, this is not for me. I'm going to give this book to a friend who is more interested than me. But, uh, you know, there's a little quiz at the end of chapter one. But just to really, I think a lot of people that don't understand the RV lifestyle can have some misconceptions about what it can be and who does it and the reasons they do it and the different ways you can do it because there's no one way to RV for everybody. I don't know any two people that do it the same. And so, you know, the part one is all the practical considerations, you know, you know, understand what is it all about, um, planning and preparing and, you know, the downsizing and, you know, shopping for an RV and what to look for in an RV and the RV systems and the electrical water systems and safety and all of those things. Now, you know, Jason, you've been full-time RVing a long time yourself. 
you can't possibly fit everything you need to know about RVing in 256 pages. So it's it's designed to be kind of practical meets aspirational to really inspire people about what the life lifestyle can be like there are a lot of the full color photographs all throughout the book to give you a real sense of the lifestyle as well so it's not just a bunch of words and then the section two goes into the emotional considerations and that's one that a lot of people don't think and talk about you know because it's all about the travel right and buying the RV and getting your rig and where are you going to go but a lot of people letting a full-time in particular underestimate the emotional changes you go through because remember a lot of people that are embarking on this lifestyle especially full-time are undergoing multiple major life changes simultaneously could be retiring you could be changing your job you're changing your house you're living in a community you might be selling your house so all of those adjustments and how do you live with your spouse in a small space so we cover all of that and the emotional impacts of downsizing and then in the third section we get into well hang on the first section is getting started the second one is emotional considerations the third one is the practical considerations which is things like you know how are you going to work from the road get your internet make money from the road how are you going to stay in touch with people get connectivity um get your mail which is some of the, one of the most common yeah. questions we get from people who are going to do extended RV travels. It was our first question. Yeah. How do you get your mail? <laughs> Mostly we don't get real physical mail anymore, but mail and domicile is a big one. Where are you going to call home for your driver's license, all of that? And um, and then, of course, all the travel destinations, some fun places to go and things to see and a lot of tips on things to do, places to go, and where to stay, how to save money doing that and the kind of membership. So it's a lot of information in there. I think it's we're, we're really proud of the book. When the publisher reached out to us, it was a book we'd kind of wanted to write, but, you know, it's always on the back burner with every other project. So when a publisher at um, Adams Media, they're a division of Simon & Schuster, reached out and said, RVing's really hot and there isn't a book out there by a major publisher and we'd like you to write it. We were truly honoured. And uh, we were given a really short timeline. We had like six weeks to do the whole (laughs) thing. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. We tend to take on crazy projects in short, intense bursts (laughs) of time. But we're really proud of it. It's in its third print run, I think, coming up for its second anniversary this November. And uh, third print run and already a bestseller, but you know we're just we're just so happy how many people it's been helping to get out there and hit the road and give them a good base to start. You know. Well, Mark and Julie Bennett are authors of Living the RV Life, and they are the the wonderful creators of RVLove.com, which is just a fantastic resource. I have. I have big website jealousies over your website, and uh, it is full of so much information. We'll put a, a link to order the book and to all their social media and their website in the show notes for this episode. Thank you guys so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. It's been really lovely chatting to you. RV Miles is supported by the Highway Weather app. When it comes to RV travel, weather safety is a top priority, which is why the Highway Weather app provides weather forecasts for road trips along every point of your route adjusted to your time of travel. You can compare forecasts, get recommendations for the best time to head out, add severe weather alerts, add rest stops to long trips, and more. Did I mention all of that's included free in the app? For subscribers, there's a hands-free background feature to automatically alert you to upcoming bad weather. To download the app, visit highwayweather.io today or look for it in your iOS or Android app store. It's time to check the level of our tanks, Abby. What is in your black tank this week? So in my black tank this week is a tale as old as time. We've all talked about it. We've all heard people complaining about it. 
We witnessed it again firsthand this week, and that is people in national parks getting too close to animals. Now, I'm not gonna talk about that component. We all know about that. What I am black tanking is this week, there was some poor ranger here in Yellowstone who had to spend his day on the side of the road, keeping people from going over to a herd of elk who were just kind of butted up against the side of the road, one of them being a very large male elk. He had to spend the whole day directing traffic, telling people to move. In fact, he had to tell people because we were stuck in the traffic like trying to get through and we listened to him tell a woman over and over who continued to film and ignore the ranger, ma'am, you need to move. You need to move away. This male elk was just feet from her. And she continued to just ignore That's this ranger. Huge. Those things are massive. And so this was in the afternoon we witnessed this. Then we went into the park, we spent our day, we're coming back out. And the ranger at this point has now completely blocked off the side of the road that would allow people to get close to the elk and has moved them to the other side of the road. And there are still people acting fools. Don't act a fool. Don't make a ranger waste their day babysitting you. Like what kills me is that the ranger's not worried about the elk. It's not the elk that he has to be concerned about. It's the grown adults that he is there for because we don't know how to properly manage ourselves when we are in a national park. We actually, a ranger told us a good rule of thumb for staying away from animals and it's literally a rule of thumb. If you put your thumb out completely and you can't cover up that animal, you're too close. So it, so it varies depending on the size of the animal, which I thought was really great. Yeah, and we witnessed something similar at Old Faithful last night when a bison came strolling through by Old Faithful and it was like people just lost just their mind. Just rush up to it. And they just started rushing. Now, thankfully, you know, you can't cross really. There's that little seating area and you can't cross onto the grounds of Old Faithful. But still, I mean, we were way, way back and I could do the thumb. And that was as far as you should have been from it. What is in your fresh tank this week? So my fresh tank this week goes to gateway towns that are by national parks. I have been so enjoying West Yellowstone. I enjoyed Springdale when we were there. I love gateway towns. I love strolling them. I love the souvenir shops. I love the coffee shops. I just, I love the vibe of a gateway town. It's like everyone here is just, at least those of us visiting are so chill. I bet residents of gateway towns probably have a very different feeling. <laughs> But, you know, the other morning I woke up and I got up about 6.30, I headed out about 7, and I just, it was so quiet in West Yellowstone. And I did that because I wanted to be able to go and walk around safely and social distance, and I knew that that would be a wonderful time. I found a beautiful little bakery, I got breakfast, it was empty, I brought it back. But I just, I really enjoyed it, just strolling in the morning, and it just, I really like gateway towns. I think that they are gems and a really important component to some national park visits and and I've just really enjoyed West Yellowstone. Not so much a fan of the grocery stores in gateway towns, but I don't really know that there is one here. <laughs> I'm sure I, there is. I think there's one or two and I'm really hoping I don't have to go to it before we leave because I know it's going to be expensive. <laughs> Jay, what is your black tank? Uh, my black tank is the RV industry's 
insistence. Gore. No, their insistence on uh, trashing, and I don't mean literally, but um, figuratively, trashing National Park Service campgrounds. And I've been hearing this for years, and I just read a, a, an op-ed in RVBusiness.com that the president of the RV Industry Association put out. And, you know, they have really put a lot of eggs in this basket of the, this Great American Outdoors Act modernizing campgrounds. And, and maybe that'll happen. I don't know. I, I kind of doubt that the National Park Service is going to spend a ton of money on campgrounds. They might repair old bathhouses and stuff, but I highly doubt they're going to be going in and putting bigger sites in 50 amp electricity when half of their maintenance backlog that this Great American Outdoors Act is supposed to cover is, is roads. Right. You know? was... <laughs> it, it, it's really, and, and, the, and even though all this money is getting put into repairing our public lands, these agencies like the National Park Service and the National Park Forest Service, they're still operating at a deficit. Their budgets are still too low. So I, I don't hold high hopes that our campgrounds and national parks are going to be transformed. And I've heard this from, from dealers too, where they say, you know, somebody comes into a dealership and they say, you know, I really want a 30 foot RV because I want to be able to fit in those national park campgrounds and what they say to them is oh they're terrible you'll never want to you'll never want to camp in one of those national park campgrounds they're so bad i have to tell you some of the best campgrounds we have been to have been national park campgrounds now are there some that need repairs absolutely are there some that have murder bathhouses absolutely but well there I, are I mean, lots of campgrounds like that. i'm thinking of Davis Bayou, I'm thinking of Fort Pickens, I'm thinking of the Watchmen at Zion. Oh. These are some of the best campgrounds we've ever been to and they're not ran by concessionaires and they're affordable and you can stay in them. Yeah, they don't have 50 amp. Yeah, they don't have sewer. I don't want the National Park Service to come in and have private organizations come and run these campgrounds, put in 50 amp and sewer and then charge 80 bucks a night. This is not a political thing but it's going to sound like it. Um, there are a lot of people that think the National Park Service shouldn't be in the business of running campgrounds. And they think that private businesses would do a much better job of it. And, uh, and that why are we wasting our money spending tax dollars on having the National Park Service run campgrounds? You know, that argument that, that business does better than government about anything, um, is a fair one. But let me also say that the government is also really terrible about making contracts with these concessionaires. Yes. And we have lost tons and tons and tons of money in these concessionaire contracts over the years. It has not been a net positive at places like Yellowstone and places at the Grand Canyon where these, and, and Yosemite, where the biggest campgrounds are ran by private organizations. So, I, you know what, I feel like there needs to be a whole range of campgrounds out there. We need to have public campgrounds that are affordable for families. Yeah, they won't have a ton of amenities, that's fine. There needs to be private campgrounds with full hookups that are outside the parks, all that sort of stuff. And I don't even care if there's concessionaire ran ones. I just don't feel like we should be spending a whole lot of money on replacing all these campgrounds 
so that people can get 50 amp because they want 50 amp when there are there are really more important things that need to happen to repair our national parks roads are one of them bathhouses are another one so that's a, that's a little mini rant but there you go all right jason what is your fresh tank this week my fresh tank is camping world and you know there is a lot of talk about camping world a lot of people really camping world really angers them uh, for a lot of reasons and there a lot of them are justified and i've seen and heard some terrible things that camping world the dealership has has done to rvers and i've always said this and i i'm sorry if i sound like a broken record but i always say that they are the biggest dealership out there they're a big chain so we hear about them more and i think you have to watch your back at every dealer and i think a lot of dealers are kind of terrible but if you listened last week you heard that we lost one of the bars on our weight distribution hitch somewhere on the road somewhere we called two different dealerships in uh in the area that we were to get it replaced and each one of them was wanting to have it shipped from the east coast at a cost of 80 dollars plus shipping and then the third place i called was the camping world of idaho falls and without prompting that camping world said absolutely come on by we'll just pull one from one of our kits and we'll have one shipped to ourselves and replace it that way at no cost to you i go in i pick it up it's right there waiting for me with my name on it and it costs 60 dollars. plus they renewed our good sam membership for free that's 30 bucks so i mean a huge savings and i i've felt from time to time We've gotten really good deals in the store at Camping World. Some things were priced better than Amazon. So credit where credit is due, I wanna give a shout out to Camping World for taking care of us uh, because that was, a, that was a difficult thing that we needed to deal with on a couple heavy travel days. Yeah, we really appreciated it. All right, that's this week's episode. We are out of here. We are going to go explore Yellowstone some more. But hey, before we go, we want to say thank you to everyone who continues to go over to Apple Podcasts and leave a five-star review for the RV Miles podcast. It is helping put so many new listeners in front of the show, and we could not be happier. So thank you, everyone. And of course, a gentle reminder that RV Miles is all across social media. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or maybe you've already found us on YouTube. So until next week, a very happy 104th birthday to the National Park Service, which just celebrated on August 25th. A very, very happy birthday to our son, Jack, who is going to turn 13 this weekend. <laughs> and until and next- And happy birthday to you. Well, thank you. I am turning a very young, number. <laughs> Until next week, keep logging those RV miles and we'll see you soon. Bye everybody.